Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, here we are. Uh, As we are heading, hurtling towards week number eight, Thursday night football. Uh, is on the docket. Uh, Matt Harmon got a great show in front of us here today. We got the trade deadline coming up really quick here, man. Yeah, October 31st, right? A very spooky Mm -hmm. NFL trade deadline, if you will. Uh, (laughs) Terrible pun, but you know it is what it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, uh, I threw threw around some uh, candidates potentially get traded we could talk about later in the show. But yeah, man, week eight. it feels like the season now is is rapidly flying by. I'm sure at some point yeah, in like the for next sure. four weeks from now, I'll probably be like, dude, the season is is inching along very <laughs> slowly because we're about at that time, yeah. James, where um, I mean, you've worked with me many years now. You know, I get to the point with some of these teams where it's like, oh, my God, do we have to spend a second's worth of thought on? <laughs> It over the years, it has almost always uh, been the Giants. Um, uh-huh. Although the uh, the Tyrod Taylor experience is currently giving me life uh, with the New York Giants, so right. that has been nice to see. But I'm sure by week twelve, I'll be done with the Giants. The Bucks are normally high on that list. Pre Tom Brady, Bucks were very high on that list. Uh-huh. Um, we'll see if the Baker Mayfield Bucks are able to keep my attention and and uh, interest into week 13, 14, 15. But yeah, that we're, we're starting to get to the point where we know the themes and the stories of the season and, and, and everything like that. But yeah, it's also around the time where, you know, from like when we do fantasy content, it's like, you got to talk about every, every damn player and every, damn every player game and every yeah, team because let's go. Does, doesn't matter how dusty a squad <laughs> is the, the fantasy points all count the same, but you oh, know, man. as a pure football guy, a pure football mm-hmm. A, a pro a pro football purist i'll call myself yes sure. um i struggle with the like all right let's break down this 
slobber knocker uh, Titans Falcons game from like a <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. So we're at that point of the season for sure. Um, for for those folks who don't know, uh, Matt has a very short attention span, um, as you can tell. <laughs> What he he gets bored very easily uh, by some of these games and some of these matchups. Um, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned some of these teams, man. It, it's always the NFC South and the NFC East. There's teams yeah. always in those divisions where you're just like, all right, these teams are dusty, and I just don't care uh, anymore. Yes, especially the NFC East. They went through a long period where they were all really, really boring and all really dull teams. Now, I mean, yeah. obviously the Eagles are great. The Cowboys are a little eye rolling sometimes. For uh, sure. The Giants are number one in the eye rolling power rankings and, and Washington up there. <laughs> Washington is up there for me because I'm I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. At, sorry, that's I shouldn't curse like that so early in the podcast, but I'm pissed at Washington right now because of the Sam Howell 97 sack pace nonsense. So they're really high on my eye roll eye rolling power rankings. <laughs> oh uh, but God. again, overall, yeah, those teams have been tough to us over the years because they always jam them into primetime events, yeah. so we see a lot of them. I mean, man, we have seen an awful lot of the Giants on primetime so far this year. So, uh, you know, we're complaining about our first-world fake job problems, though, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. What, I mean, how long before we see Jacoby Brissett? Not because – I mean, for two reasons. One, uh, I'm, the Sam Howell experiment is slowly but sure – it's – again, I've compared Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield – and, and it's kind of sort of taken the Bay- Baker Mayfield arc, career arc right now where we're we're excited, we're intrigued, and then now we're like, okay, now we've seen enough games and we're like not seeing that much development. The experiment might be over. Uh, the Baker Sam Mayfield Howell. career arc in fast forward. That's what we're yeah, basically 100%. seeing. Like yes. in, in the seven weeks, Baker Mayfield's entire career <laughs> has been squished into seven weeks here with Sam Howell. Um, yeah, he's like a poor man's Baker Mayfield, which yep. not good. Uh, I I'm with you that I think at some point soon we probably look they they gave Jacoby Brissett decent money to be sure. um I thought like in a pure competition with Sam Howell I don't think it was really ever a competition I think they wanted Sam Howell to win the yeah. job and by the way I totally understand that because he's a young quarterback and like if for whatever reason you would have caught um fire with yeah. Sam Howell you'd be in a really great spot right oh, you'd yeah. be able to build oh, yeah. a team around him and all this stuff but oh yeah. Yo, he's on pace to take 97 sacks. 97 sacks is it's just insane. absolutely absurd. Oh. And the, I, I saw a stat that like all, almost all of them are like over two or there's a ton of them that are over like two and a half seconds and it, that the sacks are, have taken. And it's like that. Those are quarterback sacks. So like completely yeah. non-functional stuff there for Sam. Right. You just can't really, really run a real offense like that. Well, and again, I bring up Brissett because the, the human body is not meant to get sacked that many times either. Yes. You know what I mean? At some point, there's going to be an injury. You can't just sustain these hits, man. Like, it just doesn't good happen, point. you know? So That is, uh, that is a very good point. I, I imagine we're going to see Brissett uh, at some point, either due to inefficiencies or just due to injuries because, my God, Sam Howell, man, like, let's figure out how to throw this ball away uh, or do something, man. You can't be – I can't believe he's going to be on pace for 100 sacks. That's just insane. Uh, and, and there's a sick part of me. You know me. There's a sick part of me, Matt, that actually wants to see it. 100 sack oh, yeah. season. I feel bad for him, though, if that happens. I do feel bad <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. him if he if he takes 100 for sacks. Sure. But I am curious, like, all right, let's say he stays healthy all season. It, it Does it slow down at some point? Does it – I mean, does it slow down to him taking 80 sacks in the in a season? I don't know, man. Nope. But, um, I don't think so. I, think, I don't think so. 
I think I saw a stat from Rich Rebar that like if you take a sack, it, it just cuts down the odds that you are going to score a touchdown on that drive by 30%. Like basically just cut a third yeah. off in terms of likelihood right. that you're that you're scoring a touchdown. So it's just it's really, like I said, unfunctional stuff. And Jacoby Brissett, not like a perfect quarterback or anything like that, but he was top 12 in EPA per drop yeah. back last year Function. with the Browns. He's functional, right? And this yep. is not functional, what's going on in Washington. So um, I didn't mean to get on another Sam Howell tangent because I'm sure I've had plenty on this show at this point. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really bad. Just F, by the way, okay, just to like take a look at some of the, the, the sack totals that could be on the docket here. So obviously he's got Philadelphia here in week eight. Uh-oh, watch out. Uh, New England, which is, you know, uh, they could get after the quarterback at times too. Uh, they've got Dallas two more times. Then they've got San Francisco and the Jets on the schedule. My God. Um, yeah, you're talking about that pace slowing down. I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Dallas two more times, San Francisco and the Jets. What? Golly. Sam Howell's going to be on pace for, I mean, yeah, that pace is definitely not slowing down hundred percent for sure. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about, you want to kind of get esoteric with this one here. Uh, you want to talk about the difference differences between wide receiver ones and wide receivers, wide receiver twos. And in specifically, you want to focus in on single high versus two high coverage. Explain. Yeah, so saw a great tweet from at fball underscore insights. Um, works with fantasy points. It works with the mm-hmm. undroppables. You know, we've got buddies in both spots. So I thought this was a really good post, and I, I interacted with it. Uh, what initially drew me to it was the first tweet from this account where showing yards per route run versus a single and two high coverages. Um, here's a couple of examples. The, the one that caught my eye originally Stefan Diggs, 3.18 yards per route run against a uh, single high coverage. Gabe Davis, 0.95 yards per mm. route run uh, against single high. If you look at two high, it's 2.25 for Diggs, 2.6 for Gabe Davis. Uh, you look at the Eagles right now, 4.1 or 4.41 yards per route run against single high coverage, 1.2. For Devontae Smith, uh, if you look at, again, too high, it's 2.6 to 2.11 A.J. Brown to Devontae Smith. You can do the same thing with Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers, where it's 3.13 yards per route run against single high coverage. For Devontae Mm -hmm. Adams, 1.62. Uh, for Jacoby, or uh, yeah, for Jacoby Myers in Jacksonville, it's 2.02 for Calvin Ridley, 1.58 yards per route run against single high for um, Calvin Ridley to Christian Kirk there. So that was the first thing that caught my eye, and then uh, I responded and said I would love to see this with like every um, every, every play, one two like every one yeah. two. So they, so they sent back the chart to this, and obviously we I'm, this is a podcast, so it's it's tough to explain this, but <laughs> it really does right. uh, show up where a lot of times the team's number one um, receiver. I'm thinking like uh, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota compared to Jordan Addison. Um, yeah, I'm looking at like extreme example so wait hold on hold on hold on let, let, let me yeah. let me let me slow you down here because okay. um for the for the podcast listeners out there um again this is this is high level analysis here okay but explain to me in your words why do you feel like okay when we look at yards per route run versus single high coverage what does that indicate to you Okay, so yeah, a yards per route run is not a perfect metric. I've said this before. It's not. It definitely does not obviously isolate wide receiver performance. Even though um, the industry and specifically the fantasy industry is addicted to yards oh, per they, route run, like, they like love it. Oh my yeah, god! It's, it's like it's, it's like 
it's crack for them. It's unbelievable. So uh, it it has a big hold over the industry in a lot of ways. And like I said, it's not a perfect wide receiver metric, but it is certainly really indicative of results, right? Like good results. Okay. If you're running a lot of routes and you're getting yards, that's a good thing. Generally, it doesn't always work the same in the inverse, but, and it can be explained in different ways. It's not always the wide receiver's fault. Like I mentioned, I mean, in order to get yards, you need to have somebody who's going to give you the yards, right? Which is the quarterback, which is the design, everything like that. Are you in the right role? Stuff like that. So it's not a perfect metric, but it is really indicative of like quality performance. Like I think it's a thousand times better than yards per target or anything like that, right? Because a target is an is an indication that you did your job, right? You're getting thrown mm-hmm. the ball because the team feels a certain way about you, or you executed the play design as it was supposed to be. So the route run as the denominator there is just a bit better. Anyways, that's yards per route run generally. In this situation here, um, you know the reason I think that we see these number one receivers performing so well from a yards per route run standpoint against uh, single high coverage. Number number one, we're primarily talking about like cover one defenses, right? So right. when when you see cover one, it's more often than not going to be man coverage, right? You're going to be just typical ISO man coverage on the outside with these receivers. So number one, you're not going to get a ton of like double coverage, right? Because that middle field safety is responsible for the entire field. So they're not going to be shaded right. one way or the other. Um, you might also have teams like I said, that that middle field safety is probably covering the whole ground there. So you're usually going to get ISO man coverage. We know that man coverage rates rise on third down and they rise uh, in the red zone and they rise even more in like goal to go situations. So high leverage situations is typically when you're going to see man coverage anyways. And it would stand to reason as we believe in reception perception that the best receivers are the best man beaters. Like I don't care that the league wide zone rates are up or anything like that. Beating man coverage is still important because beating man coverage is important in these high leverage situations. So it stands Mm -hmm. to reason that as a quarterback, you want to go to your number one receiver, the guy you think is your best man coverage beater. Typically, like I said, I think man coverage beaters are number one receivers anyway. So that's a part of it. The second part of it too, is that in a cover one situation, teams have much more, uh, variety, much more um, options to at their disposal for in terms of blitz packages. When quarterbacks yeah. are feeling extra heat, they're going to go to their number one receiver. So I think it's a really good indication when we see these big splits of like who are the ones and who are the twos in an offense. Yeah, well, I mean, Tyreek Hill's breaking the entire chart, so there, there is that. His yards per route run. Tyreek Hill is breaking every receiver chart right now. <laughs> insane absolute madness when you kind of take a look there uh at what he is doing but okay so um some of some of these charts or some of these one two combinations that i kind of want to pick your brain on uh george pickens versus deontay johnson so i would imagine it's at least from a real life perspective it's a lot closer um you know, in terms of, again, 1A, 1B, uh, you know, and, and I know that we're railing against that at some point here, but George, is George Pickens, Deontay, is that a true 1A, 1B? Or, or I mean, again, when you take a look at these charts, it seems as if George Pickens might be the true number one here. Well, I think you got to remember, too, Deontay obviously hasn't played uh, a ton this season. So if you just mm-hmm. look at it right now, uh, George Pickens against two high defenses, 1.78 yards per route run, Deontay Johnson, 1.38. And if you look at single high defenses, 4.17 
and 3.15 George Pickens to Deontay Johnson in terms of yards per route run. So Mm -hmm. uh, there is a one-yard gap there between George Pickens and Deontay. Obviously, like I said, it's been um, not a full season for Deontay Johnson. Yeah, so I think those two guys are pretty close. Like that 4.17 to 3.15 gap is not even close compared to – or is much closer compared to like when we looked at – Devonte Smith, or we looked at Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis, or even, I mean, damn Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers. And you guys know, I love Jacoby Myers, but I think Jacoby Myers is a two. He's a really, really good number two. Right. Uh, so I think that that gap is actually pretty close, but I would also think too, like stylistically, who are we talking about when we're talking about a lot of these number one receivers? Diggs, mm-hmm. we're talking Devonte Adams. We are talking, I mean, even Calvin Ridley in this one too, AJ Brown. These are your big outside vertical receivers. I think that's yep. where George Pickens has an advantage here because if I'm Kenny Pickett, and obviously this is what happened in th- with that big touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens, which I bet is probably doing a, a good bit here, heavy lifting in terms of the yards per out front for George Pickens. If I'm Kenny Pickett <laughs> and I come to the line and I see, all right, this is a single high defense. They're giving me... Uh, single coverage outside on George Pickens, I'm throwing this thing up to him. And these guys have gotten really, really good on back shoulder throws, right? We've Mm -hmm. seen that consistently the last couple of games with the Steelers where if I'm Kenny Pickett, like I said, I see on as my outside vertical X receiver, I've got George Pickens on a one-on-one situation. I'm going to alert him on the go route and we're going to, I'm going to throw this thing, right? Whereas we saw with Derek Carr on Thursday Night Football, I'm not going to alert Chris Olave on the go route, but I'm going to be pissed at him when he uh, runs at half speed. But you've got to alert that receiver that this is going to happen. Yeah. So Kenny Pickett's done a really good job of doing that so far. Did it on that game-winning touchdown uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that would explain why George Pickens, big-time yards per route run here. And also Pickens is just having a good season, man. He's yeah, he he's, not, he um, he's not a, a – he's an average separator. I'll, I'll give him average separator. Uh, and he's been a little inconsistent at the catch point so far this year. There's been some up and down moments, but yeah, he's like Mike Williams, man. Uh, you can throw that thing up to him and he's going to go get it. And uh, that has been a huge beneficiary for for the Steelers offense so far. I, I love this one two setup. So I'm glad you brought them up. I think Deontay and George Pickens complement each other really well. Uh, right. And we'll continue to see good things from them. Okay, so another pair of teammates here that um, actually are really, really close. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you give us your insight on this. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, actually, uh, both both of them just extremely productive against both single high and two high. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, what what's your thought there? Cooper is outpacing Puka Nakua in both categories. Uh, to your point that maybe Cooper is uh, Cooper. Cooper cup is the true number one there uh but certainly for a rookie puka nakua man like holy hell uh extremely efficient in both these metrics as well yeah uh puka 3.16 cooper cup 4.19 yards per route run against uh single high defenses i wonder if i isolate the weeks here uh if that were like the, the when did cooper cup got back week five right yeah week five uh so this is you can cut this out when I'm when, of the freaking podcast as I'm I'm filtering it here. So I, actually I'm so I'm filtering it right now by the weeks just the last three games, four point four for Puka Nakua, but still four point one nine yards per route run uh, against single high defenses there. So that's pretty close, right? Like yeah, I I I think that's really interesting in terms of who is the one in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are so not traditional too, right? Like 
Cooper Cup, obviously, I've said over the years, has the most unique role in the NFL uh, in terms right. of high-level receivers because he does that big power slot stuff. He's almost like a tight end at times. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That one's worth tracking, right? Just because that's really good for Puka Nakua. And I said on the last episode, like the RP metrics back up the stats and the performance for, for Puka. Right. So uh, we might have a pretty pretty close one there in terms of those in terms of this duo. All right. And final one here. Uh, and I encourage everyone to kind of go check out F ball underscore insights, um, to kind of see more of, uh, of the data here. But the last one before we move on, um, bro, Rasheed rice is, uh, again, in these, in this little, you know, metric or whatever it is. And I, I know it's a much more smaller sample size because he hasn't run as many yeah. routes as some of these other dudes, but man, yo, he's right there with Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans. Like what is going on here with Rasheed rice? Yeah, so single high coverage, uh, Rasheed Rice, 3.56 yards per route run uh, against single high. Actually, all of these Chiefs receivers have been pretty decent against single high coverage. Uh, Kadarius Tony's, I mean, all the M- non-MVS ones. Even uh, even MVS is, is high up here, but like 2.52 for Kadarius Tony, 1.66 for Sky Moore. You know, we've said previously that like, Sky Moore is a much better man beater than a zone beater when he's running those short underneath routes. So that actually does kind of make sense. But yeah, I mean, Rasheed Rice, he's up there in terms of yards per route run uh, against single high coverages. I'm looking you at buying? Uh, you buying this or is it just a small sample size? So I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm buying it. Uh, I actually just updated Rasheed Rice's data on the website uh, on receptionperception.com and the new sortable tables and the um, in-season tracker. The thing with him is that he's been really good against zone coverage so far in RP, 81.8% success rate in the three games that I've sampled. But his man score, when I added the Chargers game, went up from 50% to 62.5%. So we are mm-hmm. starting to see a little development from him. And I think this is critical too. Rasheed Rice, I've been saying this ever since he started breaking out, and you know this on the show, that I want to see him move out of this like, yeah. I'm only running slants from the slot role, yeah, and yeah, I want to yeah. see him go against outside coverage. Well, last week against the Chargers, Chargers defense stinks, I get that, but 60% of his routes came as an outside receiver. So oh, that the flips. more and more we start to see him run like big boy routes from yeah. uh, this the outside – no, no more Justin Watson. By the way, Justin Watson leads the Chiefs in yards per route run against um, two high coverage at 2.28. Rasheed Rice is second at 2.04. Um, Sky Moore is like a laughable 0.6. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sky Moore running routes from the outside against two high coverage. Forget it. You're, you might yeah, as well stop. You might as well get James Coe out there running those yeah, routes, dude. He's, not working. he's never do, never going to never going to work. So. Um, I am buying Rasheed Rice. The more we see him run um, those big boy routes as an outside receiver, um, I'm buying him as like a guy that can be, I don't know if he like a true one, but I do think he can be the, the, the number two to Travis Kelsey, uh, essentially in this offense. 21.5% of his routes have been digs so far. 78.6% success rate in the three games I sampled for Rasheed Rice. Which we know those are big boy routes. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, and again, I think that does tell you why he's been productive against too high, too. I mean, again, when you take a look at some of these other guys that, that are right there, I mean, Brandon Ayuk almost breaking the chart as well. You know, um, you know, A.J. Brown way out there in terms of single high. But when I when I look at too high, right, like what, what's that? What, what are those routes that we need? Right. We need in breaking routes. We need those posts. We know those digs. 
uh, we need those slants. <laughs> and when you look at a lot of these guys that are, are way high on the too high chart, that's the routes they run really, really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, look at Debo Samuel versus, uh, versus too high, right? Um, that's crazy. It, that one yeah, is that's, that's cr- madness. Crazy. Yeah. His, his single high is like one of the worst yards per route run against single high, but, um, one of the NFL leaders, almost five or just under five yards per route run against two high defenses. And that matches and bro, up with reception. Per, yeah. I was going to say, doesn't that match up? I mean, perfectly with what RP has tracked with this guy, not a great man beater, but just an absolutely phenomenal zone beater. A hundred percent. Yeah. It, it matches up so well uh, with what we see from him. Yeah. It, it, it could not lit- like be more perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Uh, again, I, I do encourage you guys to go check, take a look at that uh, very interesting data there. Uh, and, and again, if you excuse us, I, I mean, I know we, we're, we're getting into the weeds here, baby, a very esoteric conversation, but that's what you come here for. Okay. <laughs> well, you got two, two guys out here just nerding out uh, over the, the, the analytics and its application to real life football. Anyways. Okay. So here we go. Um, you charted Quentin Johnston there for the chargers. You charted the last three games for him. Uh, what did you find, man? Hey everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball has been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, uh, not a lot of good stuff. Uh, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> so people in the Discord have been like, "I need some Quentin Johnston copium." Uh, so what have we found with the with the charting? And I, I'm like, unfortunately, boys, I don't have a lot of copium here for you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not dealing any of that at the time being. Uh, uh-huh. So I have looked at the last three games for Quentin Johnston: the Raiders game, yeah. uh, the Chiefs game that just happened, and the Cowboys game coming out of the bye. Okay. And one thing is clear. They obviously want him to take the X receiver role that was vacated by Mike Williams, right? right. That has been made abundantly clear. 81%, uh, 81.6% of his snaps have come on the line of scrimmage. Uh, 83.5% have been outside. So th- that is where they want him to line up as that X receiver, X receiver. that, Mike, oh, that yeah. Mike Williams was. Um, they've also asked him to run a ton of vertical routes, 28% nine route. 5.3% post route, 12% corner routes. I mean, that's kind of like the the almost it's not quite as bad, but it's pretty close to the rookie year George Pickens uh role where like we're just running clear out routes, we're running yeah, sprint outs. I was gonna and stuff say like good that. lord. And I get it because that's Mike Williams's role, right? Like you look at his route charts from like 21 and 22, he's running the vertical routes, you know, he's 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 your vertical X receiver, but um, Quentin's just not 
ready to be that guy. You know, that wasn't Uh really his game um, at TCU. Right. They obviously drafted him to be a developmental player there, and that developmental plan went out the window the moment Mike Williams' ACL popped. But now they have to have him be this guy because, I mean, Josh Palmer's had a nice year. Josh Palmer's a fine player, but he's not an ex. Keenan Allen, obviously, is not an ex receiver. Nope never was and probably is never it's certainly not going to be at this stage of his career so it has to be Quinton Johnson but the results James have been I mean disastrous with him lining up there 37.5 percent success rate versus man 34.5 percent success rate versus press oh wow Uh, yeah he's just not getting open and um I don't know what to tell you. It's it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, I'm not saying he's gonna he's a bust or it's over forever, but this is about as unencouraging as a start as you could paint for a rookie wide receiver playing, in, especially if he's gonna be an X. You know, if he's gonna play in this role, he's got to beat press man coverage. I, I know he's run a lot of vertical routes and those success rates are low, but 33 um, percent success rate on digs, 20 percent success rate on curls. Uh, oh that's God. not gonna get it done, you know. So, oh my goodness! Wait, hold up. So, if I heard you correctly, 35 around roughly 35 percent success rate versus man. 37.5 percent versus man, 34.5 against press, and he's seen now, man on 53 percent of the routes I've charted, and, and press on 38.7 percent. So again, um, we know this is a three-game sample. We're about you know um, almost halfway home in terms of a full sample, right? Okay, thirty-seven <laughs> percent, Matt, would be the second lowest score ever recorded uh, in percep- reception perception history. Only Justin Hunter would be I- lower. The the guy the guy Terrace Marshall, who has been ripped to shreds on this uh, in in terms of uh, RP charting, would have a higher um, you know, success rate versus man coverage. Jalen Rager, better than that. These are not good numbers. I mean, you're talking. You just talked about like the busts, right? Like the first yes. round busts, right? And this or not? Well, Terrace Marshall wasn't a first rounder. Right. Um. By the way, we'll talk about. Did you, we're talking about trade deadline um, candidates later? Did you see the report that like? The Panthers have given Terrace Marshall permission to seek a yeah, trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, but, why? But, but, but also with the, with the amended note, oh but he'll God. be welcomed back with open arms if he can't find a trade partner. It's like, well. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I guess Get he's ready to welcome Carolina. him back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Anyways, yeah, so, I mean, this is, look, this has been a really good indicator when guys score in this range as rookie receivers that it's probably not going to work out, right? Like Jalen yep. Rager, I'm sure. I, if we were we were not doing the site back then, um, that that rookie season, I, I don't think, or if we were, I guarantee you the Discord would have been like, can you hit me with some copium on uh, Quentin Jaylen, or uh, on Jalen Rager? Rager? And be like, yeah. no, there's not, because nope. this is where he's at. I even wrote in the in-season tracker, like he is in the Justin Hunter zone, and uh, oh, we haven't God. seen a lot of guys in the Justin Hunter zone for quite some time. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's uh, not ideal. Um, and, and, you know, his his usage at TCU, too, it's like, I know he ran a lot of vertical routes, but um, he was actually quite productive from the slant, too. I don't have, like, you know, numbers. I'm just, based off of game film, I'm just saying extremely, um, you know, productive on slant routes. So, again, right. and, and again, we're talking about a guy who I think after the catch has some burst, has some juice, right? So that's why... 
I think you want to kind of get him moving in motion across the field to kind of get away from guys and not running vertical routes so much, or at least not exclusively, right, Matt, where you want this guy running across the field and trying to get away from some defenders. Yeah, the biggest problem for Johnston is that that he has to play so much, which I know that sounds kind of like counterintuitive, right? You want these guys playing, you want them getting experience, but my theory is that the Chargers, and you can think whatever you want about what I'm about to say from like, is this a smart plan? But my theory on the draft pick is that Tom Telesco, who has made some questionable decisions over the mm-hmm. over the course of his tenure as the general manager for this team, looked at it as, okay, we have Mike Williams on a big fat contract. He gets hurt all the time. I mean, he's hurt right now. Uh, we need the future of this receiver room, and we want to go for the highest upside guy. Uh, and that to them was Quinton Johnson, probably because of size, size, speed and all that. Um, right. and, and look, you're right. He was really good on like slant routes and some in breaking routes in his reception perception sample. So in the meantime, while he's developing, cause we don't want him to play right away. We don't need him to play right away. Cause we have Mike Williams and we have Keenan Allen and we trust Josh Palmer as our third receiver. So while he's getting his feet wet, we'll have little like all right, let's get him in motion and let's throw him a drag route and let's throw him a slant route so that he can kind of get used to the speed of the game and NFL speed and he's making plays after the catch. That's wonderful. We can do that. Well, guess what? Now you're four weeks into the season and Mike Williams is hurt. And you have to start Quinton Johnson because he's your fourth receiver. And like now, because that's what people want, like, well, why don't they just get him some, some plays where they can get the ball in his hands? Like, because he's their third receiver and how many times have we seen this where teams are not going to go out of their way when a guy can't just go out there and get open and run around and earn a target they're not going to like unless you're Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes you can't have a (laughs) Kadarius Tony in your offense you know you can't Uh have a gadget create a touch guy because it disrupts the flow of the play and it's at the very least at the very least Matt you can't have these like gadget guys be the number one that's for sure that's that that in the history of the NFL has never worked. Right. And so I think now they're kind of in a spot where, well, we just we need someone to play this vertical X receiver role because we don't have any juice down the field. And also we uh, are just going to have a roof put on us if we don't have somebody stretching the field vertically. Teams are going to put a roof on him anyways if Quinton Johnson doesn't emerge as a threat. So they're hoping that right. he can just develop and take the step. Uh, but for now, yeah, th- this is where they're at with him, where I think there's more long-term upside in them trying to build him up in this role. Whether it's going to work or not is like a whole separate question. I think there's more long-term yeah. upside in them trying to build him into this player um, as opposed to like, all right, let's get him five cutesy catches where he runs after the catch. Um, Cause like they've got enough guys right now where they're having a scheme Keenan Allen open, where they're having a scheme Josh Palmer open. They can't scheme a, a third guy open. It's a good point. I, w- I think at this point though, I think most people would prefer that Josh Palmer just play a regular role. Uh, and again, don't scheme uh, scheme open looks for him uh, and just have him play a regular role. Um, when you're talking about juice in the open field, Palmer doesn't have it. Keenan Allen doesn't really have it. Um, and there's only one guy that's got it, and that's Quentin Johnston, right? So figure out a way, whether it's 
hey, listen, whether it's, a, I don't want to say like, you know, definitely nothing coming back to the quarterback. Let me just put it to you that way, right? Nothing coming back no, to the quarterback. The curl routes are, I mean, the curl routes and the comebacks are like a stone cold disaster. <laughs> 45% combined, 45% combined <laughs> success rate on those two routes. So let's not do that. Okay, let's not have them do that. But again, I think like deep overs or even like, as you mentioned, drag routes, I think would be, good for Quentin Johnston here. Um, and maybe not playing him exclusively as an X, I think probably makes sense. You could ask Josh Palmer to play the X. Why not? You know, again, if he wins, yeah. he wins. And if he doesn't, he does Cause he's got okay. better contested catch chops right now than, than, um, than Quentin. Jo- that's another thing. Quentin Johnson didn't do in college. I, exactly. Didn't, didn't win contested. And I think Palmer right. has at least shown that he can do that. You know, Palmer's not a great separator or anything like that. Uh, that's why, again, you can't you can't really throw him out at X because he's not going to beat press man coverage. But Quinton Johnson isn't either. I think if you want to get him going, you're going to have to use him off the line. You're going to have to use do gadgety touches with him. I, yeah. I agree with you that they probably will and should expand their usage um, a little bit here. But uh, nevertheless, yeah. it's just this is where he's at right now. Um, I'll, let's put this in a brass like dynasty sense. For, for the okay. Dynasty Bros here, because I've gotten a lot of questions about this. Would you rather yeah. have Quinton Johnson or just a random 2024 first round pick at this point? Oh, random for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, even a question. I honestly, I would rather have Keenan Allen in Dynasty than Quinton Johnston. Like, whatever Keenan Allen's going to give you this year, right now, I'd say odds are you're probably going to get more out of that in the next rest of the season. By the way, my God, can you imagine if Keenan Allen gets hurt? Like, just. Close the shop. Brand, brand, put your put your house on the market, Brandon Staley. It's over. It probably already is over, but uh, yeah, put, you it know, it's it is over. But anyways, you might as well go ahead and put the house on the market. Like it's over if he gets hurt. But I'd rather have Keenan Allen in Dynasty than um, than Quentin Johnson. And like even rookies from this past year, like Josh Downs has shown me a hundred times more than Quentin Johnson has. Like I'd rather have Josh Downs at this point. I'd rather have Christian Kirk at this point. Oh yeah. Stop, stop me Absolutely. if you disagree with any of these. Like no. Marquise Brown, Tyler Absolutely. Lockett. Give it to me. Jacoby all Myers. Yeah, all of yes. Christian Watson. <laughs> Look, the the problem the problem is that Quentin Johnston might be a bust. Like he literally right. may never be productive ever. Right? That's the problem. All these other guys that you mentioned um from from just a dynasty perspective, you're going to get something. You might not get, you know, Week winning weeks or whatever, but you're gonna get something. Uh, and in Dynasty, it's like you know, you're just avoiding not just avoiding, but you, again, the, the bus profile is pretty significant here, right? right. So y- you've got to bake that in. That's why you would take anyone right now, uh, over Quentin. Jo- I mean, again, maybe. I mean, who, 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 we 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 got to go down to like I don't know. I mean, again, I I probably have Quentin Johnson over Josh Palmer. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. I mean, you know, but again, no one's clamoring for Joshua Palmer. Let me tell you, you know, I Rasheed mean, Rice, like I, I'd rather have Rasheed Rice. Oh, at this point. easily, e- easily. I'd rather have Jalen Hyatt. God, come on. Like, you well, know, keep going know down the that, list, but, but fair. Uh, what about, what about Jerry Judy? Oh, yeah. No, give me Jerry Judy. Give me Jerry. Judy. I think he's going to get traded and, and I think he'll yeah, have we'll, some value. Yeah. We'll talk about that. And but yeah, no, I great, great, great segue. Because let's talk about some trade deadline, you know, uh, spots and players that could be up for trade. 
Um, I tried looking up some trade deadline rumors and such, and it's, you know, uh, at, at, around this time, teams are pretty tight-lipped about certain players, most players. Uh, they don't want to burn bridges and in, uh, in relationships and all those kind of things. So I get it. Uh, but there are some very logical names to to be brought to the forefront, and especially in Denver, people looking at both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, Cortland Sutton's 28. Jerry Judy's just 24 years old, man. Uh, it seems like with all the press clippings, he's about 30 years old because we've talked <laughs> about Jerry Judy so much. But just 24 years old, still a very young player. Um, either one of these guys, where would you kind of like to see them end up? Well, first of all, I think if they're trading one of these guys, it is going to be Jerry Judy. It's not going to be Cortland Sutton for two reasons. One, uh, Cortland Sutton is on a uh, extension, whereas Jerry Judy only has the fifth year option after this, I believe, which is like what fifteen million dollars, right? Fifth year option for receivers. I don't know. I think he's probably just easier to trade from a contract perspective than Cortland Sutton right. is. Uh, number two reason, one of these guys has been way better than the other in Sean Payton's <laughs> offense. And it's okay. been Cortland Sutton who has been way better than Jerry Judy so far this year. Um, I actually looked this up because I just thought this anecdotally watching Cortland Sutton so far this year, just uh-huh. watching Denver Broncos games. Like he's won a lot of like contested stuff, which we know he 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 does do. He wins contested. He wins in the he's got a lot of touchdowns like. I mean, that has been the thing that's boosted his fantasy value has been like touchdowns right. and stuff like that. But he's won on a lot of like in-breaking routes, at least to my eye. And I remember this in the offseason. I jokingly um, found this clip from, you know, Roto World, NBC, whatever they're calling it these days, um, where they had a blurb. The Broncos had Cortland Sutton study Michael Thomas's 2019 film in the offseason. And I tweeted it alongside – Uh, his route success rate chart from 2021 where he had a Uh 93% success rate on slants and just had like the thinking emoji right next Uh to it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so far this year, (laughs) I actually went back and looked this up. Cortland Sutton, according to Fantasy Points Data, has 123 of his 351 yards on slants, ins, and shallow crossing routes. Wow. Jeez. He's got that Mike Thomas slant boy X receiver role kind of locked up there. So I kind of feel like they're probably pretty happy with what they've gotten out of Sutton so far. So I Yeah, but let me let me offer a little counter argument to that though. Because again, if if Sean Payton and Denver is they're looking for a rebuild, you're right. Sutton's obviously been a much better player, but that also means you can get much better return on a player like Cortland Sutton. So would a would a contending team who again probably you know projecting to be somewhere in the you know back 10 of the first round would they move a first round pick for a 28 year old wide receiver they might they might and if you're denver and you're getting a a first round again a late first round pick for a 28 year old wide receiver i think you got to consider that yeah but i don't think anybody's given up a, a first for these guys you know um either one of them Cortland Sutton is that's the thing though. He's on a big extension. They signed him to a $60 million four year extension. So he's yeah. from a salary cap perspective. Like I'm saying, he's having a fine season. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying he is like blowing it out of the water or anything. Yeah. Uh, he's, right. he's having an okay year on a bad offense. Um, th- I'm not going crazy about that. I've said before going into 2021, when people were drafting, or 2022, excuse me, but when people were drafting these Broncos receivers like crazy, I said he was like one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL. People have overcorrected now to the point where they think he's 
he stinks. He doesn't stink. Yeah. He's just like a right, solid right. starting X receiver. So gotcha. I just think there's probably not a big demand for Sutton. And I think, I think they could trade him, but I bet they'd get like a day three pick because of the big fat contract that he's on. Yeah, you're right. Now, yeah, Judy, on the other hand, I mean, my feelings, uh, my correct feelings on Jerry Judy are, are well known from the podcast this this summer where I, again, he took over the mantle of most overrated receiver in the NFL um, uh-huh. coming into this year. And he hasn't had a good year. He hasn't fit in there. He's, his highlight this year is getting uh, Steve Smith mad at him on NFL. Oy. Like that's been right. the best moment yeah. so far for, right. for Jerry Judy. He's an inconsistent player, but I do think he would help a team out. Um, I think a team that needs to beat man coverage because that is his strength is not – uh, he's not one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's, but he is a, a solid man beater, seventy percent success rate versus man in twenty twenty two. Really disastrous against zone. That's why he's just not a number one target. Uh, but I feel like New England really actually would would be a good spot for for Jerry Judy, um, especially last week where we watched them cut Mac Jones's average depth of target to like sub five yards yeah. uh, average depth of target um they got his two his time to throw was 2.06 seconds uh he was throwing his first year at 80 percent of his throws uh was mac jones because they were running like that alabama um get it out quick rpo over the middle type stuff and i think judy his best routes are those like quick in-breaking routes against man coverage and if you look at like you know, ESPN came out with their open scores. Uh, uh-huh. You know, again, they're, they're on a site. It's it's standalone site now. It, it's pretty cool. I was checking it out yesterday. <laughs> like Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker are some of the worst in terms of, of their metrics getting open. <laughs> and against man coverage specifically, you know that I I that backs up RP uh, as well. Right. So, um, I I think that for sure, like Jerry Judy would actually help uh, help that offense out. Even though I'm I'm lower than consensus on Jerry Judy, I think he'd help that team out. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, I think Cortland Sutton to Dallas would be a very interesting thought experiment. Uh, if mm. Dallas were to make that move, they need an X receiver. Um, Cortland Sutton would certainly fit that bill. Michael Gallup has regressed uh, very significantly. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it would allow, again, if they go two, if they go two wide receiver sets, you've got, you know, Sutton and uh, CD lamb out there. If you go three, you got Brandon cooks, Cortland Sutton and CD lamb. That's an interesting trio. Uh, certainly for Dallas, if they want to make that final push. Um, all right. How about DeAndre? Well, let Hopkins? me just say this yeah, too, just, just cause I know Carolina is trying to buy at the deadline, whether we think they should or not, is it a separate question? Right. Um, they want to buy a receiver. I think Sutton actually would make a lot of sense for Carolina because they need an outside X receiver. Um, they do. it ain't going to be DJ Chark. It ain't going to be, um, Jonathan Mingo is, they've been using him as a flanker. So to me, I, I kind of think he would make sense there if they were trying to buy. They want to get a number one receiver for Bryce Young. They're not getting a number one receiver. And I think if they could, though, like a big X who could win on those in-breaking routes, Sutton would make sense. All right, how about DeAndre Hopkins? Tennessee sending some signals that they could be sellers right now as they trade away Kevin Byard. But um, DeAndre Hopkins uh, on a short-term contract here, obviously an older player too. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. This is not generally their MO, but, um, their starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill is banged up and hurt. I, I mean, they obviously not feeling that confident about Malik Willis, who looks like he's literally unable to play the position. Um, they're, th- they're, they're thinking about playing Will Levis now, uh, whether he's ready or not. And despite the fact that Malik Willis actually beat him out for the backup role, 
um, this offseason. They're going to try to roll out Will Levis if Tannehill's hurt. But that being the case, if that is the case, Tennessee could absolutely tank it here. And DeAndre Hopkins, New Hopkins, could be on the trade market. So, uh, Matt Harmon, where would you like to see DeAndre Hopkins go? Obviously, every team would love to have DeAndre Hopkins, but what's a what's a great fit in your mind? So, number one, yeah, Malik Willis, he makes Sam Howell blush in terms of like how many like pressures he converts into sacks. Uh, like, give Awful. me a break, dude. Um, look. Hopkins is interesting because I think he actually has game that will age well. Um, I think he's going to, he's a perfect candidate to do like what Adam Thielen is doing right now, where he bumps Mm -hmm. from an outside receiver to an inside receiver. Um, That being said, uh, I think obviously Kansas city, right? Mike Evans, we'll talk about him as well. Obviously like the chiefs, I, I don't need the chiefs kicking around. People want them to trade. Like what about Marquise Brown of the chiefs? They have enough, like, small speed guys. They need like a big X. Okay. Um, yeah. Rasheed Rice. I like Rasheed Rice, but he's probably not going to be that guy either. So I think like DeAndre Hopkins, whatever he's got left as like a boundary X receiver. I mean, remember the game? Uh, what was it? It was against the, 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 the Texans, right? Uh, where Hopkins was just ripping it up. But we were saying on this show, like, Colts. wow, he, the Colts. Well, Colts can't cover anybody outside, but that's beside yeah. the point. Like they that he they were like, wow, we, we were sitting saying he looks like vintage DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, he can yeah. still do that stuff. It's just he's gonna just waste away this year in this offense. There's just no point. So uh, I mean, shoot, they need to get out there and like they need to just push uh Traylon Burks into the deep end whenever he's healthy. Like, can you sink or swim? Can you do anything for us? Um, what Tennessee I, needs to do is cre- generate, drum up a fake trade market. That's what they need to do. And what they need to do is by start by, by starting co- trade conversations with either the chiefs or the bills, because I tell you right now, if, if they were able to like generate that, right? Like, some kind of like news clippings or, or, or some kind of buzz that, Oh, nuke might go to Buffalo. Casey's not going to sit there and let them do that. You know what I'm saying? And if they are going to let them do that, man, they're going to make either one of those teams is going to make the other team pay, right? Like you're not going to be able to go get nuke for a second round pick. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be like an arms race almost, right? Like where one of these teams like, yo, okay, well, okay, we'll give you a third. And then Casey's on the horn. Okay. We'll give you a second. You know what I mean? Like, they can't let that other team win the Nuke Hopkins trade because I think they're both both teams are smart enough to know if Nuke goes to either one of those teams, the balance of power shifts now to that team. You know what I mean? Right. Um, for sure. Although, I mean, ba- Buffalo has so many problems, and like they do, they do. Number two receiver basically isn't it at this point anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, Gabe Davis see, is I, what he is. See, I disagree. Like. I think having a reliable number two would free up Josh Allen's mind because right mm. now his brain's in a pretzel right now. You know, it's like it's Stefan Diggs or no one. That's yeah, the problem. That. Yeah. Right. Like that's I the problem. That. Even if he wants to do the processing process to who nobody's open. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, no, so, no, no. You're right. I, I feel like new could tr- be a transformative piece for that team. I, I get that. I also think Dallas, who you mentioned for Sutton, for the same reason, they would be yes. an interesting team for DeAndre Hopkins oh to get in the yeah. X receiver spot over Michael Gallup. It just like Gallup just needs to like 
take a take a beat you know like if he's gonna he recover any, anything at all Yo, like he, he needs, needs a mental health break that's what he needs yeah he probably needs to be he probably needs to be traded man although they gave him a big fat ass contract so that's not yeah. gonna happen but like they right. just a fresh start somewhere it might might yep. help for him um if he can ever recover it at all uh detroit obviously detroit was my spot for Ooh, hopkins going into the year that. i think he I would love still that. be really interesting there and yeah from a kansas city perspective I guess it just depends. It comes down to like the contract stuff. Like has Tennessee paid out enough of the contract already where they can now take it on because that was probably a money <laughs> reason that they weren't into it anyways. But right, yeah, right, I mean, right, right. he just would make so much sense there. Um, also sleeper team would be Jacksonville uh, because I think the way they've used Calvin Ridley so far, it's been mostly on like sideline targets and, and like go yeah. routes and all that stuff you could put Hopkins in that role and let Calvin Ridley be like your Z and Christian Kirk as your slot. And you've got like a much a receiver core that makes a lot more sense together. You know, so that would be kind of like a sleeper team. You know, what's a sneaky team here and this would be very on brand for them. What about Baltimore? Yeah, I was thinking Baltimore too. Baltimore uh, with a veteran wide receiver. I mean, and in like he's the kind of receiver that Baltimore loves too, right? Like yeah. aging receiver, but still got game. He's, you know, a contested catch guy. Like he's tough as nails. Like, and, and just from like an attitude standpoint, Nuke in Baltimore, man, like that is fried, a hot sauce and fried chicken, man. Like it just seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think a lot of teams are probably just wary of Hopkins because he's going to be one of these guys that's going to come in there and be like, I need 10, you know, eight, 10 targets off the bus every single week. Um, I think he's still in that. That's why I think he went to the Titans is because he's still in that phase of his career and not like, uh-huh. I'll take five, uh, like the Odell Beckham with the Rams. Like I'll take five targets. I'm just trying to win a, a freaking Super Bowl here. <laughs> okay. Um, right. And right. Beckham's with the Ravens, obviously, you know, so um, I think, he comes in there and is a little more disruptive, you know, and I think that's probably part of the reason why not everybody was all in on him to begin with. Um, so he's not totally clearly he's signed with the Titans this year. Okay. He's obviously yeah. not in his ring chasing phase of his career. So I think that is um, kind of dependent on if anybody's going to trade for him or if we're just going to have to sit and watch like can nuke yeah. scratch his way to 700 yards. On <laughs> <this Titans team. laughs> that's so sad. Uh, uh, let me throw one out here for you, man. And this is this is the one that gets my uh, my juices flowing, baby. Like, how about Buffalo and Tampa Bay making a trade straight up? Gabe Davis for Mike Evans. Gabe Davis is in the final year of his contract. He's 24 years old, so it it, it appeals to Tampa Bay because he's a younger player, right? And obviously, not going to cost as much money to bring him back as opposed to Mike Evans, who's 30 years old and also in the final year of his deal. Um, that trade to me, by the way, we're talking AFC to NFC again, more, you know, more reasons why that trade could happen. And obviously Tampa Bay would have to send something else back. Um, you obviously. know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously uh, trade something or send something back in addition to Gabe Davis. But I'm just saying Gabe Davis and draft and a draft pick for Mike Evans. This is the kind of stuff that gets me going, man. Like that would be, that would be a trade that would be transformative and I would love to see it. Well, they play each other on Thursday night, so uh, if Buffalo beats Tampa Bay and puts them a little farther back, right? Because yeah. my, my problem with Tampa Bay is that they probably did just lose to the Falcons, which is a big loss, but they're still probably too good to start waving the white flag on the season, you know? like And good in their own mind. Okay, I don't think the Bucs are a good team, <laughs> but they, they – They're they three and prob- three. 
Yeah, yeah they're three they're and five hundred. So yeah. If they're three and four, though, after Thursday night football, when they play uh, the Bills, they can just walk on over to the other sideline and get this deal done. <laughs> like Jason Light, make sure you go there and you, you travel to <laughs> Buffalo and you just hit up Brandon Bean on the way out of the stadium and say, "Hey, how right. about this deal? Wouldn't this be nice?" But yeah, um, not like the cleanest schedule for. You know, obviously, again, the trade deadline is gonna is is early next week. Because uh, so they they have to make a decision, right? So I say like if they lose to the Bills, then this is on the table. Because then they get the Texans, then they get the Titans, and then they get the 49ers. So by week eleven, we could be looking at like, oh yeah, the Bucks season is over. They have to really look in the mirror right now and decide is the season over and is 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 Mike Evans, who is a Bucks lifer, you know, he's I know, loved I know. there and everything. He's yeah. played for one team for ten years. That's like unheard of in the NFL these days. So. And he's productive. It's not like he's toast. He, like he's, he's oh, he's having a very an productive awesome play. season. Yeah, he's having an exactly. awesome season, and he could have an awesome game against the Bills' banged up secondary on Thursday night football. So Thursday night, man, the stakes have just gotten even higher uh, because it might be the beginning <laughs> of James Coe's uh, freaky swap here between these two receivers. I'm just saying, like, there's so much, like, I don't know, like, there would be a lot of momentum that makes a lot of sense for both of these teams to get a trade like that done, man. Like, it's just, it's very interesting. Anyways, um, okay, let's move on. Could you imagine me and Gabe Davis, though? Like, you wake up, Thursday morning, you're helping the Bills beat the Bucks, and then Friday morning, (laughs) ship it off. You're shipped off to to catch passes from (laughs) Baker Mayfield in your contract That's what I'm saying. Oh, baby. Uh. I'm just, I mean, especially from Buffalo's perspective too, it's like, I don't know, do they, Gabe Davis is the worst kind of contract year player if you're a contending team because he's just good enough that you've got to give him money to bring him back, right? And not on the cheap, not on the cheap at all, right? But he's not good enough to actually fill out that contract to any reasonable degree, right? So you know you have to go into that deal knowing you're going to overpay. Like that's the problem with a player uh, like Gabe Davis. And, and and again, for Buffalo, if they just are like, all right, screw it, let's just take that equation out. We'll just bring back Mike Evans and we'll just overpay for a, a good player, right? <laughs> then you just then you make that deal. Man, that's an interesting one. I don't know. It's an, I don't know. I, it's listen, it's a dream. It's probably not going to happen, you know, but it's fine. I like to dream. Uh, it's okay. Um, okay. I want to talk to you about Carolina and specifically Adam Thielen. I think that Carolina should be sellers in the trade market. They're Oh, in six Adam Thielen having literally a career year at the age of 33, any sensible franchise, Matt Harmon, would be looking to sell this player. Meanwhile, I don't know if Carolina's thinking that. Carolina said that they want to buy in this trading asset window, and I just, my mind cannot fathom what they are thinking right now. Well, they're thinking, we really need Bryce Young to look a lot better than he has so far. We (laughs) really, really need that. Uh, We already know the head coach totally didn't want him. That was not the quarterback he wanted, but he got forced into it because the owner believes in that BuzzFeed quiz, uh, S2 cognition score. And that's why (laughs) CJ Stroud's in Houston. (laughs) I stole that joke from Kevin Clark. Okay. So uh, I will, I will say that, but uh, yeah, anyways, anyways, um, 
so we know that he got duped by the S2 BuzzFeed uh, quiz. So that's why uh, Bryce Young's quarterback. But we really need Bryce to start looking better. We really need to start looking smarter for this. So we need a receiver, okay? We need to get somebody else in here, even oh though we God. just traded our number one receiver to get Bryce Young. It's it's a lot of brain pretzels going on in Carolina. Um, this is by the, the way, this has got to be the worst like sunk cost fallacy example ever. Has but I, it, and that is too. It's it's too harsh on Bryce Young to say sunk cost fallacy because like I don't think he's a sunk cost necessarily. But it is tough when you're seven weeks in and it's like, yeah, we need um we need more guys around our quarterback <laughs> that we took number one. Over. It, it's tough. It's a tough spot. Here's here's the problem with Adam Thielen. Number one, he's their best offensive player by. Um, four country miles um, <laughs> right and and they have they signed him to a three-year deal with two void years stuck on the end of it you know like he's actually on a rather large contract for what you think about um adam Thielen at this point uh he's on a <laughs> yeah he's on a 25 million dollar contract like i don't know if anybody's trading for no one everybody had the opportunity to get adam Thielen this offseason the only team that wanted him was the carolina panthers the team that currently poison right I, look, I, I just think that there are teams, and by the way, I'm going to throw a team out here that would be interesting to me anyways. Um, what about the San Francisco 49ers? Um, to me, I think would be a really interesting team to, to be a third wide receiver option uh, for this team. And by the way, he does a lot of the things that the Niners like to do, right? Uh, from an in-breaking you know, route standpoint, and again, he could be a reliable slot player for them. Um, and just bro, just load up. If you're the Niners load up right now and just go crazy, go for this window. Uh, I just got this alert here that Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol. Yeah, most I likely will not play here. Yo, uh, your guy, Sam eight. Darnold will be on the field. So that's what I was saying. Oh my God. I'm, 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 I am secretly hyped to see Sam Darnold in this offense. We're going to see. You don't happens. have to say you're secretly hype. You made it clear in the preseason. You are a sicko and you are really excited. Um, I am a sicko. Hey, could you sicko. imagine Adam yeah. Thielen's going from seeing like 10 targets per game with the Carolina Panthers to seeing like, to like two. three. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I yeah. think actually of all of the players and, you know, we have Marquise Brown on here. I don't think Marquise yeah. Brown's getting traded. I mentioned with, um, you know, uh, I mean, Mike Evans, I don't really think is going to get traded. Cortland Sutton, I said, I think uh, Jerry Judy's more likely. I think Adam Thielen is probably the least likely player to get traded on. God, <laughs> that's just so ridiculous. A 33-year-old wide receiver on an 0-6 team is the least, and you're right, he's probably the least likely to get traded. They that need is him. just, it's crazy. It's crazy, Matt. Dude, what would they do on offense without Adam Thielen? And I know how crazy that sounds, but like literally what would they do on offense without Adam Thielen? They would score no nothing. points. The, the, it nothing. would just be, it would be horrible. It would be horrible, but you got to get assets. But I, I don't know, man. Like maybe I'm, I don't know. It just seems, it just seems like a functional franchise would, would move a 33 year old wide receiver. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe Let me I'm talk right. about the one guy on here. I think is the most likely to get traded. Okay. Who is that? It's definitely, 1000% Hunter Renfro, uh, okay. <laughs> Jordan Schultz. Well, here's, here's the problem. Uh, Jordan Schultz from Bleacher Report, he just got hired there, yeah. said that yep. uh, he had a report today that the Raiders appear motivated to get a trade done with Hunter Renfro and Hunter Renfro is also motivated to get a trade uh, done here. There's a fractured relationship between, Duh. uh, yeah, between Josh McDaniels and Hunter Renfro. Jesus. H- I, hilarious timeline, by the way, that the Raiders, Hire Josh McDaniels, 
sign Hunter Renfro to a contract extension. Josh McDaniels ices out Hunter Renfro from his offense. Completely ices him out. Completely ices him out. Then they're struggling to find a trade partner for for about a year now because they tanked his value (laughs) well below the contract (laughs) that they gave him. I mean, absolute masterclass from Josh McDaniels. I mean, truly, hats off, round of applause stuff of unreal. of tanking an, an asset here. And here's the deal. You you know I think this about Hunter Renfro is that he's he got a little bit overrated after that 2021 season mm-hmm. um, because he's a scrappy white slot receiver and everybody's like, oh, best route runner in the NFL. You can't tell me there's a universe to where Hunter Renfro is the best route runner in the NFL when he can only play one position and he can only really run like whip routes and, and routes underneath and stuff like that. So that's nonsense. Got a little bit overrated after that season. However, I do think there's a lot of teams that he could help, but they they have to be like hyper specific teams, right? They have to be a team that doesn't really want to run the ball because he, if he's your slot receiver, he's not fitting the run. Okay, you can't run outside with Hunter Renfro out there because he's going to get blasted. Um, so there's that. Uh, the second thing here is uh, though, if there you have a team that wants to spread the field, they run a lot of eleven personnel. He does. He makes for a pretty good slot receiver there. Um, yeah, I do. I do think like he can have value in that role. And, and for a team like Buffalo, right, they just had Dawson Knox get hurt. So they kind of have yeah. to scrap this 11 and a half nonsense stuff that they were yeah. doing. And they yeah, have that to just run working. actual three re- receiver sets. I right. do think Hunter Renfro would make for like a nice fit there. Dude, that would be a oh, my God, that'd be such a great fit. It would be such a great fit. And, and you know, the funny thing is, again, we talk about unlocking the brain pretzel of Josh Allen. Hunter Renfro would immediately come in and and see like six to eight targets a game. Oh yeah, he'd just be he'd just be Cole Beasley, right? Like he would just be Cole Beasley. Yeah, he'd be an upgraded Cole Beasley. It's uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. It's it's easy. Yeah, they uh, Buffalo needs to make that move. Hundred percent. I love that. Uh, I love that idea. Um, all right, uh, one last one here, and, and because I know you love this player, um, and then we'll move on. Curtis Samuel. 27 years old, final year of his contract, Matt Harmon. Um, I don't know where Washington feels like they are at right now, but clearly they have, I, 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 mean, I don't want to say an abundance of talent at wide receiver, but it's a position group that they could move on from if they wanted, right? So right. Curtis Samuel, final year of his contract. I, I'm surprised his name is not in more trade rumors, to be honest with you, because he's having a really good year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's having a good year. I think that's part of the problem is that they haven't really gotten Jahan Dotson going, which I don't think is totally Jahan Dotson's fault. But um, I do think that has been just the brass tacks of it is that like Samuels played really well for them. I think Samuel's a good player. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm, I definitely think he could be a guy to be explored, right? He is on a free agent contract. It is the last year of his deal. So it'd be a probably like a pure rental situation. Who's like a contender that could really use like a Curtis Samuel guy who plays everywhere, right? So I think um, I think Buffalo again, another really yeah. good spot for him right there. You know, and again, I just love these AFC NFC traits too. By the way, because teams are just terrified of their own shadow in their own in their own conference, right? So uh, these NFC AFC teams like love to make these trades, right? So like that's another uh, another part of it that I think would make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, another uh, Baltimore would be another probably good spot for him. Although Zay Flowers kind of does Curtis Samuel ish things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So exactly. probably, you know, Kansas City has an abundance of these guys. I know I said that, but like he does beat man coverage. Like what they're doing with Sky Moore would actually right. be a really good use for Curtis Samuel. Right. Um, That's what I mean. Like he would be an instant upgrade over Sky Moore and, and literally would just run, do all that same stuff. Right. Well, and we talked about at the beginning with upgrade. like the yards per route run against uh, two high defenses. Like Curtis Samuel can actually get open on those plays, and he can still do the cutesy gadget stuff. You know that they like having Kadarius Tony, but they just traded for McCole Hardman. You know, like an old favorite, so they'll probably not do that. Um, what about I, Jets fans are going to be pissed? We don't throw them in the mix here because they need a receiver so bad. But like, part of me also thinks that. Do you really do you really need another body in that room? You know, like you've got Alan Lazard doing his thing, um, because he, he he fits the run well, and and like he's old man Randall him. Cobb still getting snaps, <laughs> doing nothing, doing nothing with them. You talk about like yards per route run, the, so, like Tyreek Hill breaking all the charts. He's over here on like the top right hand corner, and ever I knocked my mic over. Every other chart, like the other end at the left, yep. the bottom left is Randall Cobb right. just yeah. out there getting hit. I mean, hey, listen, he's an older fella. He's still getting his cardio in, man. You gotta love to see that. But yeah, he would. That they would be an interesting. I mean, team the guy him. was out. The guy was out of the NFL, right? Like. He couldn't stick. I think it was with the Texans, right? And like, it's not like they had a strong wide receiver room at the time. Like, he couldn't stick, and he was out of the NFL. But you know, again, you know, when you've got a buddy and your buddy wants to get you a job, he's going to get you a job. You know, so I mean, hey, it happened, uh, and, and it's funny too because then he goes from Green Bay, uh, and then Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, and again, old boy's got his back. Okay, the old boy network right there. Got to get him a job with the Jets. Yeah, there's literally one team that Randall Cobb could have worked for, um, and it is the good old New York Jets. Yeah, geez, 0.43 yards per route run so far. For wow. Wow, 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 <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think the Jets would be foolish to buy, but again, they could. They could. I, I'm just surprised that Curtis Samuel's not in more trade rumors, to be honest with you. I mean... I'm not going to say addition by subtraction, but let's say Washington really wants to develop Jahan Dotson, making a trade for a guy in the final year of his contract to kind of open up more playing time, open up more targets, open up more opportunities for Jahan Dotson. It just makes so much sense. You know what I mean? It's just the problem of, okay, where's Ron Rivera and where is this Washington franchise in terms of, are they going to try to, do they realistically think they've got a chance in the NFC? They're not getting by Philadelphia. They're probably not getting by Dallas. Where are we right now? You know, they're kind of sort of in no man's land. And that's why I would say it'd be smart GMing from Washington's perspective. And I know smart GMing in Washington don't always go together, but new regime, who knows? Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's a new regime, though. It's a new regime. I don't know. So selling on Curtis Samuel, I feel like would make a lot of sense for Washington, but haven't heard any rumors whatsoever in regards to Curtis Samuel. So probably going to stay there in Washington um, as well. All right. Um, we're running a little bit long, but that's okay. It was a good episode. I love talking trades. None of them are going to happen, of course. Right. <laughs> nothing nothing that we just said will ever happen. So I hope you enjoyed the last 30 minutes yeah. of this show. It's a, it's a fun thought exercise. So regardless, anyways, there you go. That's the program, man. Uh, again, if you guys want to go check out the website, we've got brand new features on there, which is really, really cool. Receptiveperception.com. 
Uh, and uh, like and subscribe to the pod if it's your first time listening. We would truly appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family. That would be awesome as well. All right, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Go. Remember, it's never too late to chase a dream, baby. We'll see you.